Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hello. Thank you for joining me on Nurses Out Loud Q&A. I am your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. And joining me today is Melissa Schreibfeder, who is the creator of the Functional Nurse Academy. We are going to answer some of your most pressing questions. The topics on today's show will include um, how nurses connect with the system, the spike protein, detox from the spike protein, nebulizers, and moral and ethical injury in the nursing profession. So again, guys, send your emails, uh, your questions, your comments, your concerns, anything. Uh, We want to hear from you to nurses at americaoutloud.com. That is nurses at americaoutloud.com. And we will answer your questions uh, every Tuesday. All right. Well, welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me again. Hi, Jody. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yes, it's always great. Um, I just love your brain and your heart, and you always bring so much um, information to the nursing profession and to the public at large. So, all right, girl, well, we got a lot of questions, so let's get started. All right. So Kim asked, can you please do a reel on how you got back into nursing? My kiddo wants to be a nurse taking all the GE JUCO college courses and hoping to get accepted in a nursing program next semester. But I don't know which facilities accept non-V persons. Thanks in advance. So, you know, I actually, I just responded to a message like this that I had in my inbox because there's so many wonderful people out there that have great. They they have good hearts. They're genuine. They want to go into nursing. And um, so what I would do as far as nursing schools, um, what I am hearing is that um, when you go to like a state college, they may be a little bit more strict. You may want to look into like small private Christian nursing schools. And then also um, with the nursing school, for um for a nurse to graduate with their clinical hours they must have clinical rotations in the hospital so sometimes even if the nursing college does not want to mandate vaccines um they they have to abide by what the local hospitals are doing so what i would do is just investigate See if you can find um, a very um, accommodating nursing school and then ask if any of the surrounding hospitals are accommodating 
to things like religious exemptions for vaccine status. So that's like where I would start with that. Um, and, and again, if she really wants to go into nursing and then they're finding that the hospitals will not allow her in clinical without vaccinations, um, then I would start looking at, um, at, at other routes. So um, you can get like a, um, you know, standard degree in um something like, you know, business or health and wellness, and then get like a <clears throat> functional medicine um, uh, certificate on top of that. So there's ways that like, even if you're not clinical, as long as you have, you know, college hours that you can receive additional um, education on true health and wellness, and then be like an active practitioner, like, um, like Jody and I. So for an example, um, with what I do with functional medicine, um, it helps that I have the nursing skill set. But if I wasn't a nurse, I could still have a similar practice as like a health and wellness coach or functional medicine practitioner. So are you saying, Melissa, that people that want to help, you know, uh, people in the functional medicine space, do does for your program, do they have to be nurses to join it? So so currently um, it um, the program I have is specifically for nurses. However, I'm seeing that this is a big issue where people want to become nurses, but can't because of all of the vaccine requirements. And then also there are other wonderful people that want to get out there and heal, but they don't have a nursing degree. So they may have some healthcare experience. Um, so I do, it's a goal for me um, by the end of the year to create a version of Functional Nurse Academy that is for general healthcare providers. Um, so this would be um, uh, a program for individuals that don't necessarily have to be licensed in healthcare, um, but want to do training with me and they will be eligible for um, continuing education hours and for board certification. Um, but the board certification title, since it's non-nurse, will be like functional medicine practitioner or like a health and wellness coach, things like that. Right, right. Yeah. So I would weigh in um, this way. So first of all, we have to say, why does she want to be a nurse or he want to be a nurse? You know, what uh, is the, the motivation behind that? What are they looking to get out of the nursing profession? Because the nursing profession has suffered great moral injury over the last four years. You know, um, these nurses that went to school during COVID, they, I, I just don't even understand how they presented the ethics portion of nursing to people when everything we were doing was antithetical to the nursing profession in general, removing the advocate from the bedside, um, coercion to participate in uh, a brand new technology, mRNA, and a brand new biologic agent. Um, and, and that's just some of the things, right? So I would really search your heart and see what is it about nursing that you that is um, attractive to them, right? Are they looking for those hours and the money, right? Do they like the three days a week, 36 hours, uh, shift and, you know, the approximately $40, $50 an hour that you're going to make as a nurse. Is that what's attracting them? Because there are other avenues 
to, like Melissa just said, to be able to help and heal people outside of the sick care system. That's number one. Number two is I saw this happening. A lot of the nursing schools said, were saying, oh, no, we're not requiring it. It's our clinical sites that are requiring it. Well, now I think the vast majority of hospitals around the country, even Kaiser Permanente, which is one of the most woke institutions, um, I heard that they were removing the vaccine mandate from their employees. So if they're removing it from the employees, then why are they still requiring it for the students? To me, it's such an indoctrination. It, it's like what that represents. If you are not allowing or if you're not requiring your employees to get it, but you're saying that the nursing students need to get it. The only purpose in that for me is, is that we want to start you off on your career, um, telling you that you are going to follow policy procedure and protocol that make no sense. Right. So um, I would call up the nursing school um, and, you know, I don't know if your Juco college offers, um, offers nursing, um, you know, the, um, offers the associate's degree in nursing or not, but if they do, um, call them up and ask them, Hey, what are your clinic? Who are your clinical partners? And then you reach out to the clinical partners and ask them, are you requiring it? Because, uh, two nurses that I know in Arizona, Kamaleilani Moreno and Emily Toms, T-H-O-M-S, look them up, Google them, because they sued the Maricopa Community Colleges here in Arizona um, to uh, be able to graduate without having to get this experimental injection. And they finally honored religious exemption. And then lastly... And I want to throw this out there to you, Melissa, because this is pretty controversial. I think like this. If there is a policy that I don't agree with, right, that is unethical, against your morals, against integrity, and they're just doing it because it's policy, right? I look at it this way. I know so many nurses that got a fake vaccine card. Okay. It's, it wasn't the hardest thing to do. It was very, very easy to find an image that is blank, put in a lot number, take a picture on your phone, because remember, they don't need a hard copy of it. Okay. I, I would have to say, and I'm just throwing this out there, that if I was in that situation, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against having one. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to push me into an experiment. You're going to tell me that this is what I have to do. And there's absolutely no science or reasoning behind it other than you told me I have to do this. And this is my passion in life. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I think it's definitely, um, it's not about 
doing the right thing um, or ethics. It's more about control. And then we see this in the healthcare field that these people are so, there's so much groupthink. They're so blinded by policies and procedures and they're so overworked that a lot of times they're just following protocol and they're not even thinking about what they're doing or why they're doing it. Now, um, with the vaccine cards, um, now it varied state by, state by state, but I did hear some talk about the punishment for being caught with a fake vaccine card for being like up to 10 years in jail, which is really shocking to me because there are people that are committing heinous crimes in our country involving the most innocent children that are, you know, getting that are that aren't even going to jail for harming children or are getting like a few months or so. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of concerns me with the judicial system being as corrupt as it is that if you got caught something like that, there could be some really severe repercussions. Also, there was talk about um, going, you know, um, completely electronic with these vaccine records slash passports and things like that. So that is another thing, um, you know, when you're signing up to become a nurse, um, you may get things worked out and the hospitals may be like, sure, yeah, they can do their um, clinical rotations here. And your um, child may be uh, on their last rotation and then there may be a policy change. And I can share a little bit about, um, you know, um, my experience as a university nursing instructor. So I worked for a college that was completely fine with me not getting the flu shot because I have a medical exemption, right? Well, I lost my teaching rotations because one of the hospitals was like, mm, no, we don't accept her medical exemption. She can't teach here, um, which again, it's total lunacy because they're not checking like a flu vaccine card for all of the visitors and patients that walk in. And then the hospital employees were able to work there <laughs> with an exemption. But I think that like with students coming in, um, you know, these schools are kind of like, they have, um, you know, contracts with these hospitals, you know? So the hospitals can easily say, um, yes, you can teach here or no, you can't teach there. So I think for that reason, a lot of these schools and the students um, really, um, they they just don't have that much power in this situation. But I do think um, those nursing students that um, you were talking about, I met them. I was so impressed with them. Like, I think that that is amazing that they took that situation to court, but a lot of people don't have like the time and the resources for it. But I, I encourage that because I think it's going to set a precedent and make a difference. I agree with you. Um, I, I have one friend that did get a, a fake card and um, they're in the upper administration management in the hospital. And she did a lot of research. They're the only thing that they can do. They can't attach a lot number to your name. Okay. So here's the, here's the big thing. And that's also too um, what happened with all of the reporting that was done um, saying that, you know, what was that study? There was a study that was done and saying, or not a study, but research that was done saying that, um, I think it was back in 21 or something, that the people that were not um, injected uh, were causing, were at the hospital at higher rates. But what they found out was, that if somebody did not answer that question, they just assumed they were 
unvaccinated, right? It wasn't the people because no electronic system talks to each other. You have your EHR, um, all of your different um, CERNA, all of your different um, electronic medical charting systems in the hospital, but they don't talk to the providers, right? So if you got your shot at your doctor's office, and they didn't tell the hospital an admission, then they were saying that they were unvaccinated, right? And and that's how they just skewed the numbers. So my point in saying all that is, is that if you have the date, location, and lot number the same, that's the only thing that they can look up. So you know how when everybody was posting their card that they were so proud All she took was the date, location, lot number and put her name on it. You see what I'm saying? So, oh my goodness. There, and there are so many, I, I, people were even getting tattoos. You see the the tattoos, Jody, of people getting tattooed of their like um, Pfizer (laughs) and then the date that they got their vaccines. Yeah. I mean, I I'm just being real, you know, I'm, I'm real with people. And if it's something that I really wanted, I mean, you know, I, I did not want to go down that route. Um, when I was there, although I was not at risk of losing my job, I was, you know, the 0.1% that didn't take it. So I knew that they were going to just give me the exemption. Um, I, I didn't blow the whistle because I was, you know, afraid of losing my job for that reason. I knew that they would give it to me. Um, but I, I was like, I'm going to die on this hill. You know what I'm saying? So it depends. Is this a hill you're willing to die on? Or is this a will that you're willing to risk your health on? You know, are you willing to risk your health and be injured because you want to be a nurse, you know, or are there other ways to go about it? So that's all I have to say about that. Um, I think we covered that in length. Um, you know, pray on it, determine, you know, what is the best route for you. But also know too that once you get into the nursing schools now, it is indoctrination. They are pushing the the gender um, reaffirming care. Uh, th- those types of things we never did as nurses. We we brought people back to reality. You know, um, now we're not doing that. Obviously, like what I said about the coercion to uh, participate in an experiment. I, I just asked a couple of nurses, one that's about to graduate and another new nurse that graduated a year and a half ago that I work with. And I said, how did they get through the in the ethics portion of your of your course? And, and they said, what do you mean? And I said, this is like Nuremberg code. Did they talk about that? Did they talk about coercion into an experiment, um, honoring autonomy for individuals? Did they? How did they like, didn't anybody not bring up, hey, you're pushing us to get an experimental injection that's not even proven to stop transmission or infection. And the nursing students looked at me like I was a deer in headlights. And I thought, oh my gosh, I really need to create this ethics course. What, you know, when when the shots rolled out, um, I was still teaching in the hospital, like, you know, one to two two days a week. And I was blown away. I was stunned that like my, you know, 
students who are mainly females in their early 20s were just running out and getting it as soon as it was available. And when I, when we, I had like a discussion with them about it and I was like, do you guys know that there's no data to show that it prevents transmission um, or infection? Do you know that it's experimental deer in the headlights? They didn't know. Um, I, you know, I maybe had an encounter with like maybe one or two students that was like, that were hesitant about it, but um, that just goes to show how much group think there is in, in healthcare, you know? And there's a lot of things like that they, um, that are, you know, things that are recommended that are just based on rhetoric. I mean, look at like the, and not to get off topic, but look at like the hepatitis B shot giving to newborns. Like that is crazy. We're, I believe one out of two countries in the world that does that. But in the hospitals, um, you know, the, 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 the physicians and nurses, the majority of them really think that we need to get that shot in that infant to save their life and to keep them healthy. And but it's only it's because yeah, and it's only because that's what they were told. They did zero yeah. research. I I can guarantee you that's what happened because I was one of those nurses. Mm-hmm. I blankly trusted that yeah. our three-letter agencies were doing the research and this is what was needed. But I tell you guys, now that is not true. Big Pharma runs everything and it's about control. So, um yeah. Th- thank you for that, Melissa. I think that's a, a great insight. Um, all right. Well, we spent a lot of time on that, but I think that's very important. And that speaks to a lot of our listeners. Um, all right. So let's, let's go here. Um, I will. All right. Tina writes, thank you and your fellow nurses for a wonderful podcast and your ongoing efforts to reveal the truth. You are welcome, Tina. I have a question about nebulizers. You often mention them and I'd like to purchase one, but not sure which one to choose. I am just one person, but might occasionally share it with my boyfriend. What model do you recommend? Any links to products and models would be greatly appreciated. I never had a nebulizer before. And with so many models on the market, it becomes confusing. This is for prevention of COVID and possible treatment. Go ahead, Melissa. Uh, yes. So I, I have a nebulizer. I'm a big believer in them. I think everyone needs to have a nebulizer. Um, and again, you want to make sure that you get a good nebulizer. Um, I um, The brand of nebulizer that I have, um, I remember I was reading Dr. Mercola's article on nebulization, and that's Amazon Mary, E-R-C-O-L-A. Um, now, again, Google is going to censor all kinds of holistic health information. So for your research, I recommend downloading the Brave search engine and put in Dr. Um, Dr. Mercola and um, nebulizer, and then you'll get all kinds of like protocols and information. And he has a brand there that he recommends, that he recommends. Um, I have the brand that he recommended, but I, I can't think of the brand name, but I do remember I purchased it off of um, Amazon and it was like um, a, a good nebulizer is going to cost you probably around 40 bucks. And I also have the mask um, that covers, you know, my nose and my mouth. Um, now you could get the same um, nebulizer and then you could just get like, um, you know, for family members, just separate like face masks for them. You don't have to go get like a whole new nebulizer for each family member. Um, and, um, but, but yeah, there is, um, a, a lot of data on, um, 
nebulizing things like um, glutathione. Um, now, hydrogen peroxide, if you Google that, you're going to see all of this data from like the American Association of Asthma and Allergy saying it's dangerous. But when you look at the studies that they're referencing, they're using such a high concentration of hydrogen peroxide that it would harm your skin. <laughs> you would never dose yourself that high on hydrogen peroxide if you were nebulizing. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I am... Yeah, I, I can't get the brand unless I like go searching for my nebulizer. Do you have a brand recommendation, Jody? No, I don't. I will say this. All a nebulizer is, is an air compressor, right? It's a compressed air that forces the air out. Um, I have had all different types of brands. Um, yeah, I know when my son was born, um, uh, and he needed it. The doctor's office gave him a little penguin looking nebulizer. Um, I saw that on the shelf at Walgreens. Uh, I all, I think all nebulizers are essentially the same. Um, and as far as my experience with them, I've had, I just bought another nebulizer for my daughter. I just looked at the reviews on Amazon and saw like, did they break, you know, uh, you know, what, what were the people that gave it one star versus uh four stars type thing. Um, but yes. So a nebulizer is absolutely needed. I think every single home should have one because it does open up the airways. If you use something like albuterol, um, like Melissa said, the hydrogen peroxide or even nebulizing just saline, right? You can go on Amazon and get hypertonic saline. Um, I've gotten the 3% and I know they have a 7%. I don't know how somebody could tolerate that high because it's super salty um, and it's really hard, but on, you know, just, I don't know, you taste it and it's just, I mean, you think that you're taking a teaspoon of salt in your mouth, but the 3% is tolerable. And uh, studies have shown that, you know, that breaks up mucus and helps with the lining of your lungs and your um, nasal passageway. Uh, and so, you know, I always talk about this. If you have the money, if you're getting your tax return, get an oxygen concentrator that can go up to seven liters, get, uh, and, and as far as brand goes, again, I don't support any one brand. Go and look at the reviews. Those run about three to $500. Um, and the nebulizers about 40, 50 bucks. But those two things, guys, will keep, could keep you out of the hospital and help you to heal at home. As an ER nurse, I will tell you one of the major reasons that somebody will be admitted into the hospital for a respiratory infection, whether that be pneumonia, whether that be bronchitis or RSV is to keep up oxygen, right? Your oxygen requirements. So if you get something like a little pulse ox, um, that you put on your finger and it monitors your oxygen requirement. So you would need that as well. That would tell you, oh, okay, 
you know, my heart rate, it gives you a heart rate. You want that heart rate to be under a hundred. If it's higher, it could be from an infection. It could be from, you know, a variety of um, different issues, caffeine, a blood clot, you know, um, but um, your oxygen concentration, we really do not want to see that below 92%. And if it is, that could be grounds to admit you in the hospital uh, for supplemental oxygen, which is only like usually one to two liters, we can boost somebody's oxygen up to a safe, you know, greater than 92%. So if you're at home and you need a little bit more oxygen, you could pop that on, do some nebulizing, you know, and do all the things and stay at home and recover. Um, and I know, you know, that's a big deal for many people. Um, so yeah, I'm not very particular on any kind of nebulizer, um, right. Just yet. And, um, and just think you, you get it, get it. And as far as face mask, um, it's plastic, so you can soak it, you know, and clean it. So if, you know, you don't necessarily need a face mask for every single person because it's easily cleaned um, and um, and yeah, and and do that. So. All right, guys. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one other thing. I saw the Dr. Marcola recommendation, which again, and you know, if you, if you buy a nebulizer, you want to get a good one that's not going to crap out on you. You know, you want to have like your like medical supplies, like Jody was saying, that can help to keep you out of the hospital. That way, when you have those like early signs of a respiratory infection, you can start on, you know, your zinc, your quercetin, your vitamin C, um, even have like a supply of ivermectin, which we know is a really potent and effective antiviral. But um, the brand that Dr. Mercola lists on his website is called Mayluck, and that's $50 on Amazon. How do you spell it? Um, it's M as in Mary, A-Y- L-U-C-K. May like the month and luck, like good luck. Okay, there you go. Well, there you have it. See, that this is my girl. This is, um, I, Melissa, you were probably like an A-plus nurse, right? So, well, I, I, I like, I like to be humble, you know, but like I was a type of nurse on the unit that like, if things needed to get done, I was going to get it done like immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will say like that, like, I think I have a feeling you're the same way, but that's taking that skill set into like your own practice is amazing because I actually like see the benefits and the rewards from hard work, you know? Yes. And yes. the hospitals, they don't appreciate us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, here's the difference, guys. Like, uh, C's get degrees. That, that was me, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Now, when I went into practice, now that was different. I, you know, I love evidence-based, um, but I am a much more, um, oh, how would you describe me? A uh, critical thinker, like kind of what I just talked to you about the, about the um, COVID cards, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, how can we figure this out and make this work and uh, get it done? Uh, but anyway, yes, I do have my master's degree and I had mm -hmm. in nursing, I will have to say that they don't allow a C to get a degree. So I had to be a B plus student. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we are going to go to break guys, but before we do, I want to give a shout out to a Sia. 
uh, ASEA is a redox cell signaling supplement that I take in the morning and at night. It is essentially salt water with a technology that gets into the cell at the mitochondria level. Okay. This is the powerhouse of the cell. And this is where ATP, which is energy uh, for your, all of your body functions are produced. And I've been taking this now, oh my gosh, probably for about a year. And I just absolutely love it. I love their products. I've been on the skincare line now for six months. And um, I've just noticed my pores have shrinked. The redness has um, really evened out. Um, and their uh, redox signaling um, gel that I use for pain, um, any skin issues, so many things. I even take the redox um, cell signaling supplement, that salt water uh, that I was speaking of. I put that in a sprayer and I spray my face like a lot of people do with rose water. I do this with the cell signaling supplement and um, and I just absolutely love it before I um, put on my serum and my moisturizer. So check out ASEA and get the exclusive discount for America Out Loud Talk radio listeners. That is AmericaOutloud.shop. And we will be right back after the break. It's time and Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Take action today. Visit HealRight.com outloud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Many voices, one freedom, United in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley, and I am here with Melissa Schreibfeder, who is the owner and creator of Functional Nurse Academy. We have some exciting news um, that uh, we will share with you at the end of the show on that because it answers another question. Uh, but first, I want to make sure that we get to um, Mary's question about the spike protein. Um, so here we go. Mary writes, 
does it make a difference where you get the spike protein from the vaccines or COVID itself in regard to damage done to a person's body? My friend recovered in November, December from one of the COVID variants, possibly HV1, and believes getting the spike protein in your body from COVID itself is not as bad as getting it from vaccines. However, I think it doesn't matter where it comes from, that the spike protein is the spike protein. Who is correct? I I love this question because with all of these, you know, dying suddenly and long COVID and, and new onset autoimmune conditions, the media is almost always like, well, we don't, maybe it's climate change or they try to blame everything on um, just the COVID infection. Um, so we know that the spike protein in general is highly, highly inflammatory um, to the human body. Um the evidence is pointing to this is a man-made disease. So very different dynamics from naturally occurring infections. Now, um, from um, what the evidence is showing so far, is that when we are exposed to um, the, um, well, I can't really say natural infection. I don't think In it's a wild. naturally occurring d- disease. But when we're um, when we are exposed, when we get infected, um, the body um, can break it down more easily than when we are taking it via the mRNA injections or like the J and J injection. And um, some of the reasons for that is, um, you know, uh, so just to give you an example. Um, Pfizer's pharmacokinetic study, this is the study that they did on lab rats, showed that these lipid nanoparticles, which are tiny, tiny, itty bitty fat sacs um, that contain the mRNA, that actually biodistributed all throughout the body, including major organs. Um, there have been studies showing, you know, three months um, post-vaccination that the spike protein is still lingering in things like lymphatic tissue. We don't know how long the spike persists after vaccination, but we also know that spike can persist from natural infection. Now, um, some really controversial things about the COVID vaccination is that it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. So um, you may have a higher accumulation of spike protein because you went and you got the you got the injection. So that is going to expose the body to spike. And then people are also getting booster after booster after booster, which I I'm, thank God, like the booster um, uh, the booster uptake is finally low now. But these people that got all of these injections, they're also getting infected. By COVID. And there's also evidence that repeated COVID vaccinations can make you even more susceptible to COVID infection because um, these injections um, contain something called um, pseudouridine, which can suppress the toll-like receptors. Toll-like receptors are a really, really important part of your immune system. When the toll-like receptors are suppressed, this can make it easier for you to get infected with other infections and may even potentially increase the cancer risk. Because again, the immune system not only is important for keeping us healthy, but also for keeping things like cancer in check. Um, I do want to reference a study I've got here. Um, The first author is Vladimir Uversky. That's with the U as an umbrella. 
It's called IgG4 antibodies induced by repeat vaccination may generate immune tolerance to the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. And that's basically saying that, um, you know, these vaccines can impair the immune response, um, making you susceptible to getting reinfected multiple times. And we've also seen in studies that after individuals get vaccinated, it does cause, in many cases, a mild immune suppression. So they may get vaccinated, and then right after that vaccination, they may get naturally infected with COVID. So then they have this just like very abrupt accumulation of spike and the body can't uh, can't handle it. And there have been many case studies of individuals who um, got the COVID vaccine, then immediately got COVID. And then they ended up having um, new onset autoimmune conditions. Um, one person that came out in the media and said that this happened to them was Megan Kelly. She said that she said that she got the shot that then immediately got infected. And then she got diagnosed with RA, rheumatoid arthritis, which is an um, uh, autoimmune condition affecting the joints. Um, and this is like, like, well, it's well known um, that even just natural infection in some cases, um, it, some cases it can be too much for the body. And that person may have a difficult time clearing spike and it may cause new onset autoimmunity. But when we throw in the vaccinations on top of that risk, we have a much greater risk of like an adverse event. Mm -hmm. Good answer. Um, I, I will look at it like this and I'll answer it in this manner. When you get something naturally occurring, granted, we know that there was gain of function done on this. Fauci has come out and admitted it, um, meaning that it was man-made in a lab, but it, it is in nature now. You are getting the entire virus, right? So to speak. And so when you're injected, you're just injected with the toxic spike protein. Okay. So you're not getting the entire virus that your body um, can recognize some of it, right? Because it's a coronavirus and a coronavirus is historically known as the common cold. And that is why mRNA technology was never released for coronavirus in general, because it changes so much, right? It is constantly mutating, but our body does recognize the coronavirus, right? Um, yes. Now the spike protein can be damaging to people, but not to everyone right? Um, it depends on your viral load. So it depends on how much of this virus did you, did your body take up when you got sick? What is your immune system like versus the technology, the mRNA technology? I know a lot of doctors like to reference it as a spike protein manufacturing facility in your body. They don't know when it shuts off, right? Um, why is it, you know, some people, it is just producing more and more spike. And like Melissa says, it's found in all of our body systems. It, it, it manifests itself in the brain, manifests itself in the heart, in the GI tract, um, in, in the blood, right? With We're seeing a lot of blood clots, also the ovaries, it's like almost every system it's in because it's 
in your body. So how I would answer it is it's much better to get it now in the wild than add the toxic injection. I can't call it a vaccine because it's not a vaccine. It doesn't meet the definition. So it's an injection. And like Melissa said, why would you, you're already exposed just being alive and being out there to it naturally occurring. Why would you want to add on um, uh, a technology that is still under emergency use authorization that we are noticing more young and healthy people just dying suddenly. People are dying suddenly in their sleep. We have more strokes now, more blood clots than we ever had before, more neurological issues like Guillain-Barre, um, you know, the brain fog. Why would you want to put yourself out there twice, right? And get it and get it twice. You're going to voluntarily inject it into your arm. And then you're also going to still be at risk for getting it in the wild. And we are noticing that it does lower T cell immunity. But guys, we've known that since before it was even out. They already knew that there could be something called antibody dependent enhancement that occurs. So I would say your friend is right and you are wrong. <laughs> if you want to, if you want a clear cut, just answer. Yes. Um, uh, sum it up. What would you say? I mean, you didn't get the injection, right? Oh God, no, but I, I'm pretty sure I would need to be hogtied or something to get that injection. But I will say at the time that COVID was circulating around, I did have active Lyme disease. So I had some underlying health issues and I, I had long COVID twice. And that's because with the um, Lyme disease, it was such a heavy burden for my body. And that is a chronic self-infection that really impairs your detoxification pathways. So when I got infected with COVID, even though I was treated with ivermectin and the nutraceuticals and all of those things, I, I was treated at home. I, I was fine. I recovered, but then I got hit with long COVID and had to be treated for that too. And um, I, there's a lot of evidence showing that people that are getting long COVID, um, there's an association between, of course, the health of your gut. Um, we see a lot of these low, uh, long COVID cases, people have very low levels of bifidobacterium and the, and the, their microbiome. So again, um, the gut health and the immune health, that, that all goes together. If you don't have a healthy gut, if you're nutrient depleted, if you're super stressed, you are going to have a harder time with COVID. Um, now my husband who, um, well, I have a younger husband. He's just a few years younger than me, but you know, we've got a four year age gap. No big deal. Um, he had COVID at the same time, you know, felt unwell for three days. And then he was back to being 100%, you know, whereas I, I dealt with long COVID for a couple of months. So, um, if you get COVID and you know, you have a hard time with it, you really want to go back and reevaluate like, okay, what's going on with my health, you know, um, because a, a, like a healthy individual, um, you should recover well from something like COVID. Um, so again, if it hits you hard, reevaluate what's going on, you know, what are you eating? What are you putting on your skin? Do you have underlying um, infections like Lyme, EBV, mold illness? Um, another thing to mention, um, I talked to a lot of people that had like, you know, chronic fatigue, 
post-infection or injection. We know that both the both of them can reactivate Epstein-Barr virus, which you may have also heard referred to as mono. Um, we're basically bags of bugs. We have trillions of microorganisms in our bodies, but when the immune system takes a hit, like with too much spike protein, we can have some alterations in our immune function that can cause these, you know, um, viruses and uh, bacterial organisms that were in the body but weren't causing an issue, they can become reactivated and they can start causing things like, you know, chronic fatigue, brain fog, neurological issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but the long and short of it, um, you know, like we said, why, why, uh, put yourself at risk twice, right? Put yourself at risk for an injection that doesn't stop you from spreading it or getting infected. Uh, when you know that it is um, in nature now, right? It's, it's, it's endemic to our society. It's not, it's not going away, you know, it's just going to continue to mutate. Uh, but then she says, what is your recommendation for her to cleanse and clear her body of the spike protein following her recovery? Thank you for your assistance. Enjoy and learn from nurses out loud. Thanks for all you do. So, um, uh, and, and, and again, like, I, I think it's so great to like be solution focused on these, because these things, because we don't want to be all gloom and doom. And, um, I know that we both really believe that God has put things on this planet, <laughs> natural things for us to use to heal the body. Now, um, published in August uh, 25th of 2023. Um, this is in the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. There was a base spike protein detoxification protocol. And um, we have had, um, for an example, in vitro studies, which are like test tube studies um, on things like natokinase, which is like a natural herbal supplement that's very, very safe, was actually shown to degrade spike protein. Now, again, it's a test tube test tube study, not a, you know, randomized controlled trial, which is like top of the line. However, um, you know, usually it's big pharma that comes in and does these studies and they are not going to be studying how to detox from spike protein. So when we get um, good studies and we have physicians that are using this in practice and they have a lot of good anecdotal evidence that works and we know these products are natural and safe. Um, I think that it's definitely something that should be explored. Um, now, the three um, products that are essential as like a triple base combination for this um, uh, base spike protein detoxification is natokinase, 100 milligrams twice a day, bromelain, that's like an enzyme find, found in pineapple, 500 milligrams what, once per day, and then like a nano slash liposomal curcumin, 500 milligrams twice per day. And again, not making specific recommendations here, just sharing what has been published in the scientific literature. And also, you know, with things like um, supplements, um, you know, you also want to look at, you know, what medications you're on, because again, you know, with, with herbal supplements, no one's testing those herbal supplements to see if this is something that could interfere with your, you know, medication. So if you are on multiple different medications, have complex medical history, it may be worth it to you to maybe see a, you know, functional medicine um, um, practitioner that can work with you on the supplements. Um, now, there are also additional products um, that have been, um, that, that may have 
spike protein binding capabilities. And those are things like ivermectin, um, low dose naltrexone. These are things that a lot of these, um, you know, big wig, um, very respectable doctors like, um, like the FLCCC providers, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Peter McCullough, who are treating individuals um, with, um, you know, um, spike protein induced disease. That's, you know, kind of what we're calling it now that encompasses long COVID and vaccine injury. Um, they report getting really good results with the nutraceuticals and then also with these off-label medications that have been used for decades upon decades that we know the long-term safety profile for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just add on there too. nicotine, look up nicotine. I am going to put it in the show note. Um, it is doctor. If you go to the doctor, so the dr artist, a R D I S show.com and look under free patient resources, you will have a nicotine PDF file. Um, I, and a EDTA presentation on there. I will put that link in the show notes. I love his research. And, and I know, um, personally that people that have started using the nicotine patches, um, feel better, like almost immediately guys. So, uh, nicotine binds to that ACE2 receptor and, um, and, or the spike protein and can eliminate it from the body. Now, this isn't necessarily, you know, saying to smoke a cigarette, right. But, um, we know that the people that were smoking were not affected really by this, by COVID like the other people were, I saw that day in and day out in the hospital and it stunned doctors. Like how are the smokers? Okay. Well, Dr. Artisan covers a lot of research um, to that effect on, um, on nicotine being, um, a possible, a possible, um, solution. So look at that. And then, um, we have one last question. All right. One last question. Here we go. Um, this is from Melissa. As an ER nurse, I asked over, no, I'm sorry, Melissa, I work in med surge department at a large hospital system. It's becoming harder for me to look forward going to work because I don't know what to expect in regards to staffing. People are, or nurses are calling out left and right because the patient load is becoming too much to handle. I feel like all I'm doing is checking boxes on the chart and I'm truly missing the essence of why I got into this profession. I know people are striking or nurses. She means nurses. I know nurses are striking all over the country, but that is difficult for me to be a part of. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, absolutely. So um, we have seen over and over that this system is continuing to fail not only the patients, but also the nurses. And we also have seen that 
um, nurses have been so overworked, underpaid. And then when we're overworked and exhausted and we make a, a medical error, we can be criminalized. Um, I um, do not believe that this system is willing, is going to willingly change. And I think the best opportunity for you would be to exit the system. And I know that that can be really scary at first, but um, being a registered nurse, we have a very high skill set. We have the clinical experience and we have a vast amount of knowledge um, about healthcare and how the bodily systems work. And there are a lot of skills that you can offer outside of the system. And I will say, um, and, and, and not just talking about functional medicine, because there's so many different things that you can do. I hear of nurses um, leaving the system and setting their own, um, starting their own IV hydration clinics, um, becoming, um, you know, uh, franchise owners, trainers, um, again, you know, the world of functional medicine, I can tell you right now, the demand is massive for functional medicine, and you can absolutely operate in your own concierge practice. You could also go into general health coaching. So I would definitely start exploring options outside of the system. Um, and then, for now, um, because it is so, it, it's so stressful operating in this type of environment until you're able to get out of this environment. Um, when you're off of work, really work on that self care so you can get a good balance and yeah. kind of reframing your perception. But, um, I, I agree with you, the, um, the environment is so toxic. Um, they give us so many things to do. I felt the same way when I was working in the system. I didn't feel like I was actually helping anybody because I was behind a computer screen all day charting and doing all this documentation. And I was so overwhelmed by like every individual task I had to do that, you know, by the time that you end your workday, you are just, you're, you're completely drained. Um, but I think that the system has um, been, it's been lacking for quite some time, but now yeah. it's just basically crashing and burning. And I, I just, I, I don't think that there's any hope that it's going to get better anytime soon. What do you no, think? No, I don't. And that's why I love your program. So we're almost out of time, guys. Um, next Thursday on the 29th of February from six to seven central standard time, Melissa is going to do uh, a live Zoom call um, that will show you the course platform for her functional nurse training program, uh, which is deeply discounted right now. Um, these prices will not stay around much longer. If you use my code Jody, you'll get $200 off, but I will put the link in the show notes um, for you to go and register for that. Um, well, that's all the time. It always goes by so fast. Uh, we'll get to your other questions uh, next week, guys. So make sure you're tuning in. You're liking, saving, sharing, commenting, reviewing the show. We need you to do all the things, all the things to help us um, market what we are doing here on Nurses Out Loud. Uh, word of mouth marketing is the absolute best. Share these shows with people and whatever platform you're listening to us on now, please put a review out uh, for us because the algorithms boost us up in the feed. Uh, we are continually at the one to 5%, top one to 5% of podcasts around the world. Um, so thank you for that. And make sure that you um, send your questions into us, it's nurses at americaoutloud.com. 
And until next time, guys, be safe, be well, and God bless. It's time.